Hi, I'm Josh. And I'm Lindsay. And this is the Hideaway Podcast, episode 69. Yesunabo. That's Korean. What's today? Saturday. Saturday, February 20-something. 23rd? 23rd. Gosh, we're so... I'm so, like, confused about the day. We left... Because the city of New York is beautiful as it is, wonderful to live here. It's also a pain in the ass. And they turned off our water for our building all week because they were doing water maintenance on our street. So from uh, 7 to 6 p.m. every day, we didn't have water. So Josh and I decided to go up to New Hampshire, which was great. But then (laughs) um, the building had to fix something in our bath room and they accidentally turned on the bathtub a little bit but while the water for the whole building was turned off so they didn't notice they turned it on and we got a call the next day that our bathroom had flooded and the poor apartment below us they got just so much water damage so um you know our smart plan of getting out of the city ended up being not so great but it was still nice to be in new hampshire yeah i enjoyed the relaxing time in new hampshire (laughs) Got some time to reflect on two of the shows that we saw last week. Lindsay and I both had uh, separate Saturday night plans. We did. I went to BAM and saw a show called Non Solace by a company called... He can't remember the name. I can't remember the name. I can't remember the name. I got to pull up my phone. Uh, Recircle Company. They're Budapestan? Budapest Hungarian? Yeah, from Budapest. Yeah, you're from Budapest. Uh, it's described as a sublime duet, exemplifying. What are you saying? <laughs> it's underscoring. Yeah, that miles from Budapest. Oh my Yeah, the George Ezra is that the, the singer of that yeah. song. Um, in any case, the show at Bam was actually pretty interesting. the The show itself was just two people. One was a dancer, a classically trained dancer, who then learned circus, and one was a circus artist who then learned dance. And they each did three solos and two duets. Uh, with one another and the show itself was nothing particularly exciting other than how incredibly skilled these two acrobats were truly two of the most outstanding multi-skilled aerialist dancer acrobats i've ever seen no doubt they could hold a show just the two of them doing six or seven acts over 90 minutes Definitely recommend it if you're into dance and circus and you're not looking for story and you're, as I described to somebody, it didn't really make me feel anything. I think it was meant to make me think a little bit. Don't really know what I was supposed to think about, but uh, typical I, BAM What do you think of show. this trend of, like, contemporary circus just being in a sports bra and, like, tight shorts and it's either black or nude and that's it? Well, I think the purpose of it is to take focus away from obviously the costume and more mm-hmm. onto the performer's body and their physique. And in some ways it helps because if you see a show like Gravity Under Myths or Circo, or one of these Australian companies that do this a lot, you really are able to focus on, I don't know, the musculature and what they're doing. I think it can be a bit of a boring choice. I mean, the guys in the show were wearing nude colored spandex shorts. So they mm-hmm. basically look naked the whole time, mm-hmm. um, which I think was How part I'm of the idea. <laughs> but... I don't have anything against it other than that it's not a lot to write home about. Right. I guess it's really taking away... I mean, it's an easy choice. It is an easier choice. It's one less thing you got to worry about. Mm-hmm. Probably less you have to, to pay for unless you have to clean. You know, one pair of spandex shorts is a little easier than 
like, I don't know, a full-scale Las Vegas showgirl right. costume or something. Right. I know. I just, I guess part of the theatricality to me when I watch a show is the costume and lighting. Yeah. And that's part well, the of the show. The show had amazing lighting. I'll give that. I'll give it that. Okay. It had very good lighting. And they really used all, um, what do you call it? Lighting fixtures that don't move. They're all like preset uh-huh. like cans. Um, oh. And they had some really cool stuff they did with it. They had a cool big plastic sheet that shone lights through. So the opening scene, you they sort shined of, lights through. Yeah, they sh- shined lights through this plastic sheet on stage onto stage. So when you were watching this opening scene, everything sort of looked blurry as this like acrobat fell from the heavens onto the ground. It was very actually not similar from the opening of Varica. If you've seen that Soleil show where Icarus is falling from the sun. Didn't what was the show we saw last year about immigrants and the Circus Secor show? I think yeah, it was called limits. And there was someone falling through the water. It's a, I mean, the idea of slowly lowering an aerialist to the ground <laughs> while they're like falling yeah. on their back is a often used theatrical yeah. device. Yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of over the like spandex, just nothing. Yeah. I liked it when I first saw it because I was like, wow, you can really see these people's bodies, which they're incredible, you know, all the muscles and, and everything. But I kind of like, you know, everything, pendulum swinging. Yeah. We got like so stripped back to where it's like well, you don't want anything, and now I think I want some more costumes, some more, just some more, some more yeah. elements, you know, um, and not even like a lot, but just something. I just I don't know. I get it. I mean, even if they're basic costumes, they can add to the the narrative storyline of it. Yes, the narrative storyline. For example, in Beyond Babel, we sort of have two to three sets of costumes for each character. And uh, sometimes the characters are all in grays in order to indicate that everybody's kind of, uh, I won't say what it's to indicate, but sometimes they're all in grays, sometimes they're in colors, um, sometimes they're in completely different things that are used for dream sequences, and all of those things have references to what point in the storyline. Mm-hmm. But again, these shows like Non-Solus and Gravity on the Myths don't have, they're, not, they're circuit shows without storylines. Right, so it's just really the technical like the costume aspect. is serving the story in any it's kind true. of way. It's true. And I guess for those shows, it would be super weird to be like, why is that guy in like a full costume? <laughs> well, I think everything is probably serving the acrobatic technique. Yes. Including yeah. the costume. That's true. But... Well, what show did you see while I was seeing? <laughs> so I like saw the other end of the spectrum, I think. I saw a show called Decapella, which is... <laughs> so if anyone doesn't know, I'm like a massive Disney fan. I love Disney World, Disneyland. I love the Disney movies, except I have this weird thing about animated films. I don't like love them. I have to be really convinced to see one. And I... I loved Frozen. I loved um, what was that? What was that um, animated film that was in the head take place in? Oh, um, Inside Out. Inside Out. That was really good. But um, so my friend was like, you know, this basically Disney created a acapella group, their own acapella group. It's like not even a year old. Bless you. Bless you. Thank you. I tried to hold you into the microphone. Um. If anyone's watching Frankie and Grace, it's such a good show on Netflix. It's with Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin. But Jane Fonda, like her character's name is Grace. And she always yells at Frankie because she holds in her sneezes. And she's like, that's so dangerous. It's so bad for you. So I've never heard that before. I don't I don't know if it's true, but it says on the show. I love the show. Anyway, back to Decapella. So Disney created their own acapella group. And it's about a year old, if that and it's, I think, seven people, seven or eight people. I think it's seven. 
And they have their own a show. Perfectly balanced mix of men and women, all races and genders and sexualities. Pretty much, yes. Yeah. It was more men than women because there was a beatboxer who was a man, a bass, a tenor, and like another tenor, and then an alto, a mezzo, and a soprano. So really ran the gamut. But they could do a lot of amazing harmonies, and they were definitely really good. Um, they did a lot of mashups of songs. Obviously, it was all Disney, and it was very Disney-fied, like very choreographed, very perfect with the lights. The lighting package was great. Um, one thing they did, or there were two standout moments, I think. One was they did a mashup of Let It Go and then Do You Want to Build a Snowman, which was really good. When we YouTubed like, it for Josh, Josh and I. Do you want to let go of your snowman? No, it wasn't. Like, no. Let it go. Do you want to build a snowman? It was really like the two songs going at once. Okay. Um, which was, they were just good at singing. But the best part of the show, I think, was that. So do you know? Okay, trivia. Do you know what the first song that Walt Disney wrote was? Walt Disney, the animator, wrote a song? Yes. Like, it was the first song in one of his pieces of work. Was it for Steamboat Willie? No. And then I don't know. It was Who's Afraid of the Big Bad Wolf. Oh. It was the first song, yes. And it was like they, it was one of the first movies that they did. Huh. So, fun fact, but they did that song. And they had, like, the film playing, the silent film playing, and they were doing the voiceovers, basically. And Foley, <laughs> they explained to the audience what Foley was. and uh, But they modernized it because the guy who's, like, this tenor, um, he was really uh, funny. He was like, and I'm going to be the shade. So he, like, took his sunglasses out and was shading the whole, uh, like, story the whole time. Okay. Like, why is he like wanting in there? You know, like I can't do shade, uh, but yeah. you know, like, you're like, yeah, it's shady. But he was shading it the whole time. And that was funny. So would you recommend uh, De Capella to our listeners? Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. But they did. They were like, this is our number one hit off our album. And it was like a mix up of Hero 8. Or Big Hero 8, Big 8, Big Hero. I don't know. Yeah. Um. No, I wouldn't recommend it, but it was fine. It was cute. Well... That's uh, that's our roundup of shows we've seen in the last week since our pod- podcast. We actually have a really good guest today. I'm excited for you guys to hear uh, our interview with Laura Jacobs. I met Laura working on a show called Empire that was a speak world show where they had a tent in Times Square and then they took the show uh, on tour in Canada and Australia. And Laura uh, is the daughter of this man, Madeer, who created a bunch of different acts, including a uh, famous stick balancing act which uh, some of you probably have seen in Amaluna, the Soleil show. Others have no idea what I'm talking about. But basically she takes 10 branches and slowly sort of builds this. Um, she balances them all one on top of the other uh, and then balances it on her head. Uh, and it's a really intense, intense act. But I got to know Laura better when uh, I traveled to Switzerland and met more of her family and watched them uh basically create a brand new show a part of what's so special about her and her dad and their company is just how creative they are all of the acts they do are completely invented and new circus acts that's sort of their mo is you know not just doing regular old fabric and trapeze everything is a uh, unique specialized act and we talk about some of those in the episode 
you know, Laura's also got a great combination of uh, life in New York and life mm-hmm. on the road, mm-hmm. dance background, circus background, growing up in the circus. And, you know, she was pretty straightforward and had some good candor and was funny. So I think people are really going to enjoy it. I know I enjoyed it. I think Laura has a quality that I really admire in people that's very just confident and straightforward and like knows what she knows and what she thinks and isn't apologetic for any of it. And I really love talking to people like that. I think it's so interesting because you can have a real conversation and uh, an, an open and honest conversation, too, about just what you think and what you and are inspired by or not inspired by. You know, like I just I really enjoyed talking to her. So I think this is going to be a fun episode for people to listen to. And for those of you in New York, she's actually working on a brand new uh, sort of immersive show experience that's going to be in Midtown Manhattan called Moonrise. She teases it uh, a little bit near the end of the episode. I think it sounds super cool. So uh, make sure to listen out for that if you're a New Yorker yeah. and you're looking for the next hot thing to see. She also, um, we talk about her, the sick balancing act, but she and her dad sell the mini, a miniature set of these at uh, Cirque du Soleil and just you know, wherever they're On performing. The and I had, I was like, Josh, text her to make sure she brings one because I want to try it. And she did bring one. And we can attest that it is really hard <laughs> We haven't been able to balance more than one stick. That's not true. I've, I've gotten it where I have, I'm holding the third one. So there's two sort of balanced <laughs> hold, out of 13. Okay. So you got to three. I don't two? know. If, no, I, I it's think like it counts two. as two because there's two balancing yeah. and I'm holding the third right. one. And I got to one. And this is a miniature version. So um, it really made me uh, understand how hard it was. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is really hard. So uh, enjoy the episode. And if you like our podcast, as always, please like us on iTunes, rate us on iTunes, to <laughs> iTunes. Okay, I just, you know. Rate us on the iTunes. <laughs> rate us on the iTunes. <laughs> Try this again. If you like our podcast, follow us on Facebook. Like us on iTunes, rate us on iTunes, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Twitter, tweet us, us, email us at hello at hideawaycircus.com. And, uh, you know, just thank you for listening. Here is our episode with Laura Jacobs. Yeah, the New Year's Eve on Yeah, 2000. New Year's Eve in 2000 was like scary. the scariest was- thing ever. <laughs> right? And I was like with my family, I was like, okay, well, if we all die, we're all together. I was like, why do yeah. All the computers. I was were here at Times Square. You were in Times Square? I was in Times Square in 2000. Nothing happened. I was like, mm. it was such a build up, right? Yeah. And you're like, oh, God, this is going to go bad. Yeah. And then nothing happened. Nothing happened. Y2K. Y2K. All righty. Well, I think Laura will ask you the question we ask a lot of people to start with, which is, where are you from originally? Switzerland. Where Switzerland. in Switzerland? I'm from a small town called Watril, which is. Uh, uh, in the east of Switzerland, so one hour from Zurich. And uh, what languages did you speak growing up? Swiss German. Swiss German, and are your parents uh, Swiss as well? Yes. And I know this, but did you grow up in a performing family? Yes, I did. Can you expand on that? What kind of performing? <laughs> so um, my parents um, went to circus school in Paris uh, together when they were like 20, 21, I don't know, young. Um, there they uh, founded Rigolo, um, a street theater, 
and then a few years later took it back to Switzerland when I was born. And, you know, we're touring in the streets of Switzerland pretty much. Um, so I grew up kind of in a caravan, not really, <laughs> but I mean, my bed was in a drawer of a caravan when I was first born. Really? Yeah. You probably slept so well, though, because I always slept so well as a baby, yeah. I guess, in a car. Yeah. So you're probably a great baby. Uh, I don't remember that. <laughs> Did they put you on stage as a young child? Yeah. I started performing when I was four or five, like somewhere around there. I did a trapeze act. We had this, uh, we had this stage that was made out of a truck and... So the sides would open of the truck and they would become a stage. And it was like two levels and the trapeze was hanging from from a big bird on top of the two le- levels. So it was kind of high up, you know, for that age. For a four-year-old? Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> but so don't that- like four-year-olds have really good grip strength? Like kids have really good... Yeah. Like babies, I don't know. A four-year-old? Four or two five. Old. Yeah. Yeah, or maybe I was five. I don't know, something like that, though. But it was a good time. Yeah. Did you like doing it? Yeah. Yeah. Did you realize that your life was a little bit unconventional, or was it all just normal? Not yet. Not until I started school. When did you go to did you go to regular like public typical public school in Switzerland? In the winter months, and then the rest of it, I was just touring with my parents. Is that like okay with the school Swiss authorities just to leave half the (laughs) day? It was okay because my parents both have a teach teacher's degree, so uh, they were allowed to teach me. But luckily enough, I was on the smart side, so I, um, I kind of when I started school, I fill out all the books within like two or three weeks for the whole year. So I did the whole curriculum in a few weeks, and they were like, "Yeah, she doesn't need to go." So it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> what did your uh, like friends think when they found out that you were like you know a performer and you know you're a I don't know eight or nine or ten and meeting regular people probably? Um, my close friends they were excited about it. They loved to come to my house. We used to play dress up. Like that was the first thing that everybody had to do. They had to you know change their clothing when they came to my house because I thought everybody was dressing so boring. <laughs> So I corrupted everyone and put costumes on them. So my close friends, I think they were, you know, excited and, you know, they love what I what I did and what my family did. But then, of course, there were others who did not understand, uh, you know, conservative Switzerland doesn't really, you know, not everybody will understand people growing up in a Velo tent, touring with yurts. I mean, I kind of grew up on a site like Burning Man. Like when I went to Burning Man, actually, I thought like, yeah, that's kind of how I grew up, you know. So not everybody was cool with that. And um, I would get weird questions sometimes. Sometimes people are like, but do you know which ones are your parents? Like they would think that we all just have a huge layout of uh, beds in our house and you know everybody sleeps with everyone but that wasn't the case you know (laughs) yes it was a bit you know unconventional and not the same uh, as a regular Swiss household but it wasn't you know not to that extent you know (laughs) did you become like rebellious as a teenager or were you into still you were rebellious in what way Uh, I, I wanted to be normal 
um, <laughs> so I dressed normal like the other kids, you know. I didn't really want to perform. I became a little bit of a gangster, you know. I uh, set like things gangster? on fire oh in school. God, in I stole stuff. Yeah. What kind that of things was... did you set on fire? Um, like a garbage can. Oh, and, rebel. Yeah, like the, you know, the big garbage bins yeah. outside of the school. We used to buy like uh, fireworks and throw them inside so they'll explode. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> or I would like set the, the kitchen, the school kitchen on the water and then the fire department had to come pump out and just luckily they never knew it was me, you know, I always got away with oh, it. Oh, you did? I was yeah. going to the school like... No, I got away with it. Well, so you were a smart gangster. I was, yeah. <laughs> and you left Switzerland as a teenager, right? When you yeah. were 16? Yeah. Where did you go and, and why? Um, well, I wanted to go to Elvin Ailey, um, for one, and then I, I did want to go to New York as well. I mean, Elvin Ailey, for those who yeah. don't know, it's a dance company that was started in the 60s, 60s, 60s yeah, or 70s, right? and has a beautiful big facility up in um, Midtown where you can train and be part of the mm-hmm. company. When did you get interested in becoming a dancer? Um, I think soon after. I mean, I was doing the trapeze thing and then I also did tight wire and unicycle but then my family also kind of switched a little bit going more into dance theater Mm -hmm. and uh, I was also training as a gymnast and I wasn't very good you know I was not a good gymnast I I was way too artsy I always wanted to bring my art in it and I I was scared of uh, flying in the air and you know doing somersaults and wasn't my thing so they suggested actually I should do ballet and then I went to ballet when I was like six so that's that's when I started to dance but and it seems like ballet is so structured in a way that would be like yeah. the opposite of what you were doing yeah but I mean when you're six I think the ballet classes aren't that strict yet yeah but then yeah later it was um it was suggested to me that I do modern and contemporary mm-hmm. and jazz and hip hop. And I started that maybe in like fourth grade, fifth mm-hmm. grade. And then I started to do it every day, like every every day of the week I went to some kind of class. And how did you find Alvin and why, like, were, did you know that that's the company you wanted to be a part of? Or yes. just like that was the one? <laughs> yeah. I actually don't remember how I found out. Honestly, it's, it seems like forever. <laughs> it seems so long ago. And why did I? I mean, I went to a dance school also in Switzerland. Um, that was Jennifer Muller based. Jennifer Muller also is from New York mm-hmm. and has a company here. And that school was Jennifer Muller based. And I think um, one of the teachers of that school told me that they have, that Ailey has a summer program. And I should oh, check it right. out. Yeah. So that's the first time I went with 16. I went to that summer program. Did you go by yourself? <laughs> yes. What was that like? Your parents just like, bye. 16. Yeah. I packed my things and I left. There wasn't really anything they could have said. And they knew that, so they didn't say anything. So they supported me. But they always supported me if I wanted to do something that has to do with art. You know, if right. I would have just been like, yeah, I'm just going to go to New York and I don't know what I'm going to do. Work on Wall Street. 
Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, just without the plan, right. you know, yeah. then right. they wouldn't, you know, it would have been a different story. But since I did have a very clear vision of what I wanted to do, and I was saying since I was a little girl, I wanted to be on Broadway and, you know, become all these famous things. They were like, they they, they, they weren't like trying to stand in my way, you know. Right. So they supported me. Where did you live when you were here? Oh, my God, you don't want to know. <laughs> I was living, my first place was in East Williamsburg, um, the Montrose stop, which was then like in what, 98. It was crazy, you know, it was not like it's now at all. And you were 16. Yeah. Uh, did you just find the place yourself? And <sighs> I don't even, it was crazy. Like we, we, it was me and a friend of mine also from Switzerland. She was maybe like two years older than I, and she was doing an internship as a banker, but we both both broke. We both didn't have money, didn't really speak English much, no social number, nothing. And so when I came here, I um, hopped in a cab and then the cab driver, he knew of an apartment that his cousin was renting out, whatever, you know, something like that. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Nowadays you think this is so sketchy. I'm not going to so follow sketchy. the taxi driver. Yes, but we did. And then, you know, the apartment was such in a bad shape that the living room actually fell down, like the ceiling. So we could see like into the space upstairs and there were rats there were this you know new york city right. rats yeah. like the size of massive dogs yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the sink in the bathroom fell down and it was dripping from upstairs so we had to walk around with an umbrella sometimes like literally it was a disaster oh my God. how long how long did you live there uh, maybe like two years. Oh my god! <laughs> enough, enough time. <laughs> That's so fun. I would last it a day. And like we're moving. But I guess it's good because it encourages you, encourages you to get out of the apartment and go train because yeah. the apartment's not so fun to stay in. Yes, and and also there was another thing. We only had one key, and after midnight, the door downstairs locked. So my 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 girl, she had the key, so I had to actually jump like do like a Tarzan jump onto the fire steps and pull myself up like you know circus skills coming in handy yeah Trapeze. I yeah and, and I had to do that every night because I always like came home late and across the street there was this biker crew it was like a, a, a bike shop and there was like a Puerto Rican biker crew and, you know, they were just, like, waiting for me to come home and do these stunts, like, with my party dresses, you know. <laughs> so, so we actually became friends, and they would, like, drive me to school in the morning with their motorcycles. So sometimes I'd arrive with, like, this Puerto Rican biker crew. To Alvinelli. To Alvinelli, yeah. The coolest dancer in town. Oh, man, I was so crazy. Did you fit into the... Like scene this this Alvin Ailey scene or were you always like no I didn't I didn't I didn't really fit in anywhere I think but I didn't really care because, and people didn't really care either no. yeah I think it was for me it was relaxing in a way to come to New York because you could be whoever you mm -hmm. want and people don't really care no. so that was in a way like a breather for me because in Switzerland I never felt like I fit in for sure. <laughs> I know that feeling. So how many how many years did you train at Albanelli for? 
I would say like three years. And after the training was complete, was your space, your brain space, like, I want to be a dancer now or I want to create my own show? Like, where were you after your training was finished? Yeah, well, the the thing was I, I got pregnant and I had my son. So I needed to take a break. And how old were you? Yeah, I, I was 19. Oh, wow. Yeah. So not planning on it. No. <laughs> but I got married. We got married. Um... Um, and yeah, I mean, then I went back to Switzerland for a little bit. I did a production with, with my father. And then after that, I went back to New York and I opened my, my dance studio at the Times Square Art Center. Mm-hmm. And that was fun for a while until I decided to, you know, uh, get into the dervish dance and create, create the fire dress. The dervish dance is like the dervish whirling, yes. spinning uh-huh. style. Maybe so, before we go too much yeah. further ahead, you could describe yeah. sort of the the general um, style and aesthetic of your dad's work and also a little bit now your work. Okay. So my dad specializes in creating acts that are never seen before. They're completely unique. Um, my mother will help him with that as well. They have these visions. I don't know where they get them from. Um, I'm starting to have some too, but I still feel like I'm a little, you know, I'm learning and I'm, you know, I'm trying, but my father is absolutely insane when it comes to creating stuff. He's like a genius. And, uh, so yeah, so he just creates these apparatuses and has these visions of, of new things. And, um, I would say one of the most impressive parts about the style is how it's not really confined to one kind of discipline so for example in the show empire which is where i met you and your dad yeah um there was an act where there's like a big piece of like a tree tree or wood and then there's a spinning top and the top moves up and down like the bark of Mm -hmm. the tree basically while it's balancing it there's other acts like where where there's a character who basically has a suit on with tons of different like pipes Uh and it's kind of like the bellagio fountains but (laughs) done like through his fingers and head and elbows So they really, and then, you know, there's aerial acts where it's sort of like a version of Cradle kind of modified with like moving wings and different kinds of things. So it's really every kind of uh, genre. It's not really, um, I think the thing that ties it all together is it feels very handmade and human operated. Mm -hmm. Um, But so back to the whirling dervish, whirling dervish element. So were you like, I want to create an act? Is that where that has dance and has that sort of similar aesthetic? Well, we were working with uh, Sia Azazi, who is a famous Turkish dancer, and he's also a choreographer, and he was the uh, dance choreographer in our show. So he did some Turkish training with us, and I hated it. I hated it. I got so nauseous. <laughs> and he was like, well, you're actually, like, that means that you're very stubborn and that you're not very open-minded. I was like, what, me? <laughs> How can that be? He was like, no, you're holding on with your life you know that's why you get so nauseous and it was eye-opening to me you know and i encourage people to try it because it can really change your life actually so what so can you explain it to me Mm -hmm. so you start you know by learning to accept um a different situation because once you start spinning things don't look the same anymore you know you don't have the lines you see lines everywhere right yeah. So once you start spinning, you're only going to see the horizontal lines. Mm-hmm. You're not going to see the vertical lines anymore. 
which your body isn't used to. Your brain thinks, oh, something's wrong. I need to, you reject it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm poisoned. I'm not. Yeah. yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm not understanding why things look different. Why f- things feel different, and if you're not like um, approaching this with an open mind, you your body is gonna want to to reject it. Mm-hmm. So you're not really open to new things, you know. Right. In 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 a sort of way. Yeah. So I had to literally learn. Uh, tell myself oh it's okay if things are different now like I don't need to reject it and I, I can live with things being different and and once this clicks you're not gonna get nauseous anymore but it, it has to click you know wow. yeah and you just like is there a specific skill to just turning super quickly like with your feet or is it just moving them you can do however you want some people say that there is a specific technique but my teacher would say you should do how you're comfortable, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How it's good for And you. then you amp up the danger by lighting your outfit on fire. <laughs> that came way later, though. I, I was I went to Istanbul, you know, to take um, workshops, and that was another crazy story. I've seen people uh, uh, with um, Turkish videos of people doing the whirling dervish with, like, LED yeah. dresses, mm-hmm. and where, like, the dress sort of opens up in the middle, and it sort of looks like yeah. a... Um, like a top or hard to describe without seeing it. Yeah. Google, you know, Turkish whirling dervishes. Kind of like a mushroom. A kind of like bit. a mushroom, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, kind of like we did at a Cosmopolitan. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, For Rose Rebelai. Yeah, exactly. And when when did the when did the stick balancing act become uh, such a focus of your, at least, performing career? Because it has been recently. Yeah, I mean that's that has that was later though. I I I think I need to go back once more to sure. the dervish thing because that's when my dad and I started to tour together. Mm. So he was doing the balance act and I was doing that fire act and we got booked together. So we did like Roncalli, we did like a different uh, assignments together with mm-hmm. with these two acts. Wait, will you explain the fire act though for people? Uh, so so it's like basically the dervish tanura, so the dervish the dress, and then I have an igniting system on me, which I have to screw together before the act, and then I have to um, put the gasoline on, on on the dress beforehand, and then while I'm spinning I'm I'm pressing the igniting system, and then it's like a small explosion that lights the the, the dress on fire, and then I have to keep spinning until the fire goes out. You can right. look at this uh, video of Laura doing it on her Instagram, which is at Swiss Laura. So if you're listening along, no. you're not driving. Is that the right one? Yeah. Yeah, okay. At Swiss Laura. Yeah, it's a pretty, Swiss pretty LA cool I think I follow like three accounts of yours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I follow that one, like balance goddess. I have like five, yeah, because I do so many different things and I don't want to put too many things because I don't want to confuse people. So I try to like... Half different pages <laughs> for different things, you know what I mean? Excuse me. Yeah. Hold on. <clears throat> Sorry. Sorry. So you're touring with your dad. I was touring with my dad. How uh, long do you have to spin till it goes out? Not so long, but when once you're on fire, you know, I mean, it seems long. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I bet <laughs> it's very hot, and you have to be very careful. It's very dangerous, and I actually don't encourage anyone to try it. Don't do it. I wouldn't ever no, do. Don't do it. It freaks me out even watching it. The, yeah. the being watching it on the unicycle somehow makes it less me less worried 
because I don't know why. But when it's just turning yeah no don't don't try it <laughs> i get nervous no. anything with fire yeah we were at a show uh in brooklyn and a girl had uh fire hula hoops mm-hmm. and she like went to um well she did like a, a hula hoop around her wrist and yeah. it flew off into, into the, the audience, audience. oh and then she fire. styled like when she was done and she like was holding them like next to like on the curtain Ooh. And I was like, oh my god, oh my god. like so they were fireproof, but it was just like. But this was the new House of Yes, and I feel like you told me at one point you did a show at like an older version of House of Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This um, was they. They. I was like, oh yeah. She was so. She was like on the curtain. She's like, yeah. Luckily, we fireproofed them, but she was out of control, and I was like, how do you do a fire act? And you out of control. Out of control. No. Yeah. Okay. Actually, my best friend just had a really bad accident. Oh no! What happened? Yeah, she um, she had a show here at Sony Music Hall, uh-huh. and uh, she tried to relight her fire fans, and while pouring the gasoline, there was still a spark somewhere. So she basically blew up like her whole costume, everything, her hair um, got caught on fire. Jesus. Yeah. Is she okay? No. So she's been in intensive care for two months. And um, yeah, so she just got home now. She had five surgeries to, to you know, replace. Yeah. And um, actually, we're, we're trying to do a fundraiser now um, at Tarsh. How can people help if they want to? Um, so her, her Instagram is uh, Sammy Dance. Mm-hmm. So... Um, there's like a, we put like a, a fundraiser up together and then we also have a GoFundMe page that we're trying to support because she's not going to be able to work for right. for like at least a year. Oh my gosh. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's very sad, but she's in she's in a good uh, place and she's healing and, yeah. you know, we're trying to support her. But that's another reason why I'm like, like, don't don't try fire yeah. don't try my fire dress if you don't know what you're <laughs> yeah. doing you know like please be careful you know yeah well, don't try the fire dress also because it's your design so it's copyright infringement. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna sue you if you if I, we see anyone try the fire dress <laughs> yeah luckily i've taken law classes oh that's always a good thing yes it, it, i'm between me and josh josh has a lot of skills i don't have and one of the skills I have is Law legal. Classes. I need yeah. to call you. Yes, oh, yeah. any contract you need me to read. Really? I can, oh, yeah. Okay. I'm Good. so good I at that I will negotiate stuff. it, though. Josh, you Josh, Josh, negotiate because I'm such a bad negotiator. I'm like, sure. You want that? Sure. Sure. Okay. But I, I can, uh, I love reading contracts and I'm very detail-oriented. So it's great. I'll tell Josh what to say. Uh-huh. And then he says it in a way that that's I'm amazing. too nervous to say. <laughs> I'm just like given, you know. That's a something as a woman. I feel like you, you can, I can get better at is just like knowing the worth of something uh-huh. and not being like, oh, he said this. Like, okay, fine, I'll just take that, and not being like, no, like I, this, I, I am worth this much. You know, especially yeah. like negotiating. Um, yeah, pay is always uncomfortable for me. For me too. You can just have Josh do it. Okay. <laughs> All right. <Great. laughs> we are your new agents. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, like, uh, Laura's fee's gone up by about 300%. <laughs> wow. 
starting as a starting point. For this starting now. So you and your dad then get along like really that's, well. That's, that's what I was going to ask. I was like, is it tough working with your dad, or do you enjoy it? Because obviously, like parent-child relationship is a. You know, we ask. We have a lot of couples who are performers, and we've talked a lot about what is it like to perform with your husband or wife or girlfriend or boyfriend. Yeah. But what is it like to perform with your dad? To perform with him is a very different uh, story than creating with him. Mm. In what sense? <laughs> because when we perform together for another company, we are just they're robots. You know, we're artists. Do what everybody else is. We're both in the same pot. You know, yeah. if we're creating. Well, especially, let's say, if he creates a show and I help, I have nothing to say and I kind of, like, have to <laughs> do what he says. <laughs> no, I mean, it's great, but it'll be a little more difficult, I would say, at some times, you know, because we could not have the same opinion about something. But lately, um, you know, we were getting along really well because... I feel like we don't have the same talent. So it's not like... Um, Competitive. No. Yeah. No, because I'm more the one that, that drags stuff into the world, you mm. know? So I, I'm the one who, like, presents it to others. And then he's the one who creates stuff in a workshop. Well, I have this great idea. And then I'm like, Dad, look, I had this idea. And then he goes in the workshop and actually executes the mm-hmm. idea. So we complement each other a lot, I feel. Like, it's not so much a competition. Is there anything that you particularly like making yourself? Like, I've I've seen you do, like, obviously costumes and on your Instagram, these chandeliers, but... um... I want one of those chandeliers. You want one? Yes. They're beautiful, They're so gorgeous. Yeah. It's like, Josh, did you see this, like, chandelier that you made? And, oh, my gosh. I know. And I want one of your headdresses. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't know where I'd wear it. (laughs) It's in the apartment. (laughs) No, when you become a goddess at our new project, oh, you can yes. wear it there. We'll, we'll get, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need just too many things at once, right? Yeah. I do. I do want to talk a little bit about the stick balancing act. Yes, most of people, I think, recently think that when they think of of, of you. Yeah. Um, and this act is, for sure, one of the most unique, um, and riveting like attention. There's so much attention the audience is paying to it. Basically, the premise for those who haven't seen it is that Lara or her dad, they both do it, walk out on stage. And there's a series of what looks like sort of large sticks on the ground. And slowly they pick up one and then another. And they start precariously balancing one small stick on a bigger stick on a bigger stick on a bigger stick. And to the point where, first of all, it looks like they're holding like hundreds of pounds of worth of wood with like one hand and then on their <laughs> on their head um, but it all it, it all ends with and you gotta google this by looking at Lara's Instagram uh, with I don't know 10, 12 sticks all balanced precariously on one another uh, and then on another stick that's that's sort of on the ground and Lara removes the smallest stick and you see the whole thing um, collapse and how just this little one piece is keeping the whole thing uh, balanced I remember being super nervous when I watched yeah. it. Yeah. Like, I, I, the first time I saw it was definitely, like, because well, I just thought Josh was so cute. So I was like, I'll go see any show with you. Like, just like Aww. me. And so, yeah. Well, <laughs> but he should have smartened up more quickly. But he did eventually, obviously. But uh, that was, we went to see Amaluna. Uh-huh. And that is literally all I remember from that show. 
But I remember being so nervous because, like, oh my god, what if she drops all these sticks? But yeah. I don't think I saw you. But at Amaluna, it is hard because the AC isn't all the way off. Oh, right. Yeah, oh, yeah. tell people because I that was the one thing I remember Josh saying. He was like, they need to turn the AC all yeah, the way off. Yeah, we really need to have it off. But sometimes at Amaluna, because it gets so hot out. Mm. Um, you know, we need to have it by law. We need to have it on just a little bit uh, because of the people on the mast. They will get too hot, you know. Mm. Oh, that's the reason why we can't do it with the feather at Amaluna. Oh, you do it with feathers. Normal, yeah. normally it's a feather yes, right it's a feather. End. So oh. which which adds a lot to the act. I feel, which is very beautiful. But at Amaluna, unfortunately, we can't because of that reason. Well, I remember watching. I think your dad practiced it in a Spiegel tent, and they yeah. had the air on. And the minute the air's on, the whole thing just just turns and yeah, falls, oh. falls, falls falls apart. Yeah, and especially with the feather. With the uh, feather, there is a zero wind policy. Like, <laughs> it's not. Where working. does the, the feather goes on the very end? Yeah, you start with the feathers, like the first oh. link. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I I want to watch the act again now, like knowing more about it. Yes, because I remember just being so nervous. <laughs> I was like the most nervous I was in that show. So I have a question though about that artistic question about the act. Is the breathing necessary? Like the intense? Because you're mic'd often, I think, or at least I've seen it. Is that part of the theatricality to get the audience to sort of build the energy, or is? the slow breathing part of like keeping still and and you know your hands not shaky or any of that kind of thing um i think it's a little bit of both i mean of course i could do it without you know i mean i'm after all i'm an actress you know i'm trying to you know transport people into a different world so i'm you know doing certain things to to be able to do that and breathing is one of it for sure and it's also a big help for me to quiet the audience. So mm. sometimes people ask me, what's the hardest part about your act is like to get a complete silence. Like try to get 3,000 uh, kids on a Sunday matinee show okay. to be silenced for 10 minutes. It's not that easy. But the breathing actually helps a lot because people literally start to breathe with you. I was going to say, it's, like a, yeah. it's, a, it's a thing they talk about in like acting school and theater school is the audience will match your They will, breathing. and they will stop talking and doing whatever they're doing. So it helps so much for me to get the audience to be silent. Do you like, what is, the, I don't even, I can't remember the pace of the breathing. Um, it's just like slow and steady pace. No, no it's not. It's not. It's oh, it feels like, like it is. <laughs> Josh, Josh is explaining your I breathe with my movements. Oh. Yeah. So like I pick something. <sighs> Like I breathe exactly with my movements. Oh, cool! Yeah. So that's also exaggerated by the movement. Yes, the breath. Mm-hmm. That's probably also why the audience can is so riveted by it, right? Because it's it's a sound with yeah. a movement. Uh huh. And then you know because we have big audiences, the people in the back might not see every detail. But they will hear if I like stop breathing and and or like if I do like a small breath, then they know that something's wrong. Mm-hmm. So it keeps them, you know, with me even though they're far away. Do you you know how in like let's say Wheel of Death, they do like a fake trip with the jump rope? Mm-hmm. Do you ever have a moment in the act where you can basically like scare the audience? Scare the audience like you know like oh my god it's gonna fall, or is it very? Uh, yeah, with the breathing, I can do that, but not so much with the sticks itself because I can't really fake a drop or anything because right. then, I mean, it, it will drop. Then it will drop. all drop. <laughs> <laughs> then 
I was like, ooh, that act did not go well. <laughs> I mean, what I can do is like, I can, you know, I, I don't think I'm faking too much because there's always something happening. You know, if I'm in a new environment, there's always some door that's opening, gives mm. me a little draft or, you know, there's always something that, like difficulties are usually real, I would say, you know, mm-hmm. well, if people like get up and walk around during your act, is that does that like, you know, because when people walk by, you can sometimes feel uh, the movement yeah, of the air. Anything. Yeah. Anything really disturbs. Have you ever dropped the whole? Yes, I have. What do you do when that happens? I start over. And that's and you just do you go doing... faster the second time or do you make yeah. it like a 20 minute act? I mean, I think I listen to what is needed, yeah. you know, it depends on where I am, what shows, the audience, if it's full of kids, I might just stop, you know? Yeah. I don't want to, you know, because it, the act is not really for small kids and, no. you know, they'd rather watch the aerial or the clowns or whatever. So if it's like a Sunday matinee and I drop, like when I'm almost at the end, I'm not going to start over, you yeah. know? Yeah. So it depends a bit. If it's just... Like, let's say it's at a show where I'm just doing one show and, you know, they put a lot of investment for me to get there. And, you know, then I will, of course, start again. Right. Sometimes <laughs> as an audience member, it's almost more uh, like exciting to yeah. see someone miss it and then root for, for them exactly. to get it. Yeah. Like, come on, yeah, it actually happened to me at the premiere at the Royal Albert Hall <laughs> because so smart me was thinking that, oh, now we're not in the big top, so there's no airflow. So I'm going to do it with the feather. Oh. But the Royal Albert Hall is like, there's so much air <laughs> just because there are like 25 doors and, and, you know, it's a very old building. Right. So there was so much draft. So it actually <laughs> fell <laughs> at the premiere. At the Royal Albert Hall in London. And did you just start again? I started again, but they brought me the wood stick. With no the, feather. Did yeah. you like make a thing of like throw the feather? I'd be like, no, no, no. I, I cannot just throw it. It's very, <laughs> it's like, it's a very special feather. It's not just any feather. So yeah, I placed it, you know. Gently. Gave it to you. It's like a mark. I gave it to the queen to prosper on and she like hand me the, the wood one. And, oh, that's nice. Yes. Was that like Marie Kondo? It's like, thank you for sparking joy yes. feather. I'm I tried, but I mean, it's not working at all. <laughs> I have to move on from you. And you've really toured all over the world with this, with this act. Yeah. Um, have you seen any differences in the audiences? Yes. In, in what way? Mm. The audience is like, they unite like depending on where you go for sure so like where is a really good audience and where is a really bad audience in the world people are gonna kill me for that i mean in south america the audience is amazing i'd say yeah yeah our friend mark indick who was um a clown in amaluna for a short while said that about south america as well no i mean they're amazing and they're so genuine too you know like they will sit in the audience and look at you with like these wide eyes and and then cheer like so loud when they have to you know <laughs> but yeah so so for sure south america i would say is a great audience germany too mm-hmm. and then it depends in other cities it depends also on the acts i think mm-hmm. so because mine is very different uh so for me i feel like i get 
a bigger reaction uh, in places where people have seen a lot already mm-hmm. and they're already you know used to a lot of circus stuff and then I am more something new for their eyes and then there I would have a bigger reaction and then vice versa where we go to maybe like a smaller town mm-hmm. where you know everything is new for them then other people might have a bigger reaction because you know it's more you know daring what they are doing in the air more dangerous so you know it kind of depends a little bit where we are i would say as well so for me also it was very good in paris which is surprising you know (laughs) you wouldn't maybe think germany both have like cultures of circus and variety yes a lot of it but you can also you know it could also go the other way you know they could also be like yeah well we already seen that you know 20 times or we've seen someone do it better than you so i wasn't really sure if that was gonna happen but it was i literally like sometimes had to wait for them to stop clapping before I could finish my act. Like in Paris, it was that crazy. <laughs> Did your arm get tired? Wait, you hold it with one arm, yeah? And then you use... Bound. Switch arms, yeah. You switch arms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you use your legs to pick up the sticks. Yes, I Oh, do. that's right. Yes. Man, I gotta rewatch the act And now. you use your head. And my head. <laughs> <laughs> so where was like the worst audience re- like experience for you? I would say... Canada. Yeah, those oh, damn Canadians. Canadians. <laughs> I'm sorry. We won't drop any specific Canadians in it, but... Oh, Canada. French? Canadian? No, just kidding. Maybe not. Maybe I'm right. <laughs> I, think, I think my issue was there because there was, like, uh, free alcohol in the VIP. Oh. And then after, you know, maybe... That was just because of that, and it has nothing to do with that thing in Canada. But that was the case, you know. There was free alcohol in VIP, so you know when people get intoxicated, they don't like to be quiet. No. So, and that is very bad for me. For my act, it's very hard to to do my act when people are throwing things and are drunk, and you know. <laughs> we were talking about the like the added um, le- level or layer of alcohol. Yeah. Like some shows, it really enhances the show. Yeah. And you can feel like when you do the show, and it's like a Sunday matinee. Yeah. It really should be a night. Yeah. Saturday night show, and then some shows you're like, this it doesn't need yeah. alcohol with it. Yeah. And as a performer, I'm sure it's like yeah. frustrating when we have, there's a really serious scene in the dance show mm-hmm. and um, some people had come from dinner and were like rowdy yeah. and it totally threw off, yeah. you know, the lead. And I was like, that's part of being a performer and yeah. like continuing to go and not letting it, you know, get in your head mm-hmm. and like affect your performance. But I know I'm sure it's like so hard. Yeah. And then maybe oh Italy, Italy was hard. <laughs> the Italians, yeah. They're loud I think anyway. well, I think also that they like to present themselves as well a mm. lot, and are maybe a little bit less into, you know, watching other people being the center of attention. Yeah. Mm. I just think that didn't go so well for some of them. So they just felt like they needed to make a phone call or like being loud or their kids who like running around or you know yeah and those things are very hard for my act yeah. so <laughs> so you have been touring all over the world with this yeah. act and you're in new york now again 
Um, where do you want to be living when you're not on tour? Like, where's home for you? New York. New York, of course. Yes. Um, and now you're back and you're working. Can you talk about the project you're working on? At yes, all? Can I you can. Tease it? Mm-hmm. So what is it? So it's, uh, it's uh, something that I've been working on for about a year and a half now. And it's actually um, a theater, a dance theater that my parents... Um, uh, not invented because it was it was actually came from a book that Luisa Francia she wrote that book um, called uh, Moonrise and it's about uh, the lunar cycle of uh, 13 goddesses similar to the zodiac signs but it's uh, on the lunar cycle and so every every full moon there's um, a, a different sign a different goddess so my parents um took this theme for a show and called it Moonrise. And I was in that show uh, and we toured with our Willow Tent. I don't know if you've seen our Willow Tent before. I know. No. So we have this Willow Tent that when you stick it in the ground, it starts growing. It's very special. Cool. <laughs> yeah, it looks kind of like a, a temple, a burning man a little bit. Uh-huh. Cool. So we toured with that and we were sleeping in yurts. It's kind of how I grew up for a few years, for a lot of years, actually. Um, and then, you know, somehow, I don't know how I came back to that theme, but, you know, I was looking for something to do um, with an in immersive kind of concept. So, you know, I thought of, of this moonrise thing and, and you know, um, went home to Switzerland and then started opening drawers, like old photos of the show, old uh, pamphlets and brochures and posters and, you know, talk to my parents because I was small. I was like six, seven when that happened. So I don't remember everything anymore, but I do remember a big chunk. And I just wanted to kind of like turn it into my idea and just took mm-hmm. the, the basics of what my parents did and you know make it my own and that's what i'm working on right now and um i i am planning to open um, a venue here with a a partner that i found here um a business partner and he will be responsible for the hospitality part of the the immersive concept and i will be responsible for the art part so yeah i mean you know i can't say where yet it's still secret and it will be kind of a secret, secret kind of thing as well that uh, the whole thing is is a little bit like secretive um but yeah i'm 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 working on on that a lot now and it's almost there so i'm like fingers crossed everything's going to work out fine oh nice and will it have circus acts in it will it what's what should people yeah. expect when they get their ticket or should they just go in not knowing anything and have a surprise <laughs> it will be around my act it will be around the balance act because also the balance act has 13 branches mm. oh cool so so each branch will represent one goddess um, Are you going to paint it or anything? The, the, the branches, no, I'm not going to paint. But they were actually will be um, stuck to a painting of a goddess. So we'll have 13 oh, cool. goddess paintings around the venue. See, I had like sort of the idea. Sort of the <laughs> idea. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the sticks, I want, I want to keep them natural because people 
a lot of times already think it's uh, something fake and they, they think oh, it's something yeah. inside, like a magnet. Or, it's really just wood branches right. and I want them to look like wood wood branches. Yeah. I don't want... Well, they're also such a beautiful, like, wood, mm-hmm. you know? But that's cool if they're all, like, hung up with a painting. Hung up with a painting and then, you know, it'll be like a, a ritual, you know, to take them down. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you have to sit down and watch the ritual, but it will be like, you know, kind of happening while you're maybe, you know, looking at something else or like while you're having a drink or while you're smoking a cigarette outside or, you know, it's just gradually things are happening, you know? So that's, that's kind of the idea of the whole thing. Nice. Well, follow Laura on the internet and you'll see when, one of her five accounts (laughs) one of my five accounts (laughs) or six or however many is there anything on your bucket list like an act you really want to do at some point or a place you really want to perform something you haven't had the chance to do yet a place I want to perform I would like to perform at like the Oscars or something Mm. yeah that would be nice (laughs) something like like one one year there was an opening like circusy yeah Yeah, it was when when iris was at the theater that they were doing the Oscars in yeah i remember and we did the baftas in london oh yeah you did well no but but our show did oh so i was just there but i didn't perform so bucket list yeah all right i'll call my friends at the academy yes please (laughs) (laughs) no i mean you know that would be something like that i I would like to do for sure and then i mean on a larger scale just to have dreams i guess of course i would like to direct at one point the broadway show Mm. yeah but like I mean, a musical or a play or a, or, or a dance stuff, theater you kind know of stuff that we do yeah you know yeah something something you know can be thrown together with different genres to, yeah for sure but what's your favorite broadway show that you've seen because this is my area broadway i, yeah. I could talk about theater all the time <laughs> i can't say which one is my favorite I really can't. Well, what, what, what top two? Top, top two or three? What makes what makes the cut for something that Lara loves on Broadway? That's such a mean question because I have so many friends and <laughs> you know. Oh, my favorite! I don't know. I have to think about. Do you remember that. the first thing you saw on Broadway? The first thing. Is it Lion King? Oh yeah, you got to. Classic. Uh, uh, you probably like that too because there's so much puppetry in it. I saw Phantom of the Opera. Great. Classic. The like in classic 80s yeah, like electric piano. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's embarrassing I didn't actually see. I knew all the music to Phantom. Yeah. Except I didn't actually see Phantom of the Opera until uh, I was like 25, yeah. 26. It's crying. Here. And I was like embarrassed, but it was like, to me, a thing that I was like always embarrassed about. Like people were like, well, of course you've seen Phantom of the Opera, now. and I would be like, yeah, yeah. But I had never, so I finally saw it, and I was I've like, seen it three oh, times. I wish I just, <laughs> wish I just saw this, uh, listened to the soundtrack. I didn't love it, but I, I think I had so built up, you know, and yeah. I knew all the songs, uh-huh. and I saw the movie and everything, and uh, then I saw it. But I'm glad I saw it. It's a really good show. Like you like Phantom. Yeah. I like Andrew Lloyd Webber. The music of the night. I just can't help myself. 
Didn't they perform? Oh, they, they did it in the Olympics. Oh. That lady, oh, yeah? um, who he wrote the show for, Andrew Lloyd Webber wrote the show. Yeah. The lead. Yeah, uh, for his girlfriend at the time. Um, oh, what's her name? She's the soprano. Uh, you guys keep talking about Google. She it. and then he did, and then look up Olympics because I'm pretty sure that she's saying at the Olympics like an Andrew Lloyd Webber song. Ah, uh, like I was like, why is she here? Like, well, where did this come from for the Olympics? Right. But that so that those were her first shows, Lion King. And yeah, and I saw Porgy and Bess, but was that even Umbrella? Yeah, it was. Yeah, Porgy and Bess. Uh, yeah, yeah. I saw that one, and then what else did I see? Sarah Brightman. Sarah Brightman. That's uh, it. And then what's the Olympics? The Olympics. Yeah, look, look, look up Sarah Brightman and the Olympics. Okay. Um, didn't uh, Diane Paulus direct Poor Game Best yeah. on Broadway? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she, she invited us to go see it. That was, I liked that. Yeah. Did you? I liked it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yeah, she sang at the 2008 opening Olympics ceremony when it was in Beijing. See? Nailed it. And she, didn't she sing like an Andrew Leiberg And she was married to Andrew Leiberg from 1984 to 1990. Yeah, okay. that's when he wrote the show for her. Ah. Yeah. And then after she left him. She no longer needed shows. She's like, actually, I got this now. Okay. So, bye. bye. Bye, Andrew. Oh, no. I had this like friend in high school who is an amazing singer. And she, like, when we were younger, Andrew Lloyd Webber heard her sing and then, like, wrote an album for her and, uh-huh. like, did it in London and produced it. And then nothing ever came of it. Oh. I was like, wow, he's doing what he did. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah Brightman to, like, a 13-year-old girl. But she's amazing. Yeah. Like, yeah. one of those voices that you're just like, that's an insane Broadway yeah. voice. Yeah. I don't know. what She did, like, she was in the workshop of um, that uh, David Bowie musical. Mm-hmm. La- okay. La- a Labyrinth? Labyrinth? Yeah. Yeah, they made it into musicals at Signature Theater. Mm. Fun thing about, fun note about Labyrinth, David Bowie's hands were played by famous juggler Michael Motion in the movie. Really? Labyrinth. Oh, why? Um, he didn't like Because he did contact juggling. No, the, the villain character played by David Bowie, oh. he like contact juggles oh. evilly and it's Michael Motion like with his hands. Oh, wow. You know, uh, doing it. Fun fact, if you watch Fun. that movie again. Is Amaluna the only Cirque show you've been in? Yeah. that's They keep the stick balancing, too. Yeah. That one show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't leave. I like, know you're not to leave. All right. I'm forever stuck with Amaluna. Mm-hmm. Amal- is it, and Amaluna is a, a moon thing, too, right? Or no, Luna's the sun. No. Right? Uh-huh. No, Luna's no. the moon, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Soul would be the sun. Yes. Yes. I want to look up what moon goddess I am. Yes. I have to tell you. You have to give me your birthday and year. Birthday and year? Mm-hmm. Do you know what off the top of your head what they are? Uh, I can guess. I mean, I wouldn't be exactly sure, right. but what is it? October 11th, 1988. Um, Probably... That's kind of like around Halloween, but not yeah. yet. So it's, you know, it's maybe Freya, but it could be the one before. Gotta look that up. Yeah, I'll look it up for you. I know I'm the year of the dragon. In the Chinese calendar. In the Chinese calendar, and then I'm a Libra in the horoscope. Yeah. Like okay. That's why I'm so balanced. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm a Libra. 
It's like the scales. Yeah. Well, I think we're coming to that point, Laura, where we ask you the same three final questions that we ask every guest. Josh just decided we were at that point. We were at that point. Well, we're, we're coming close to the hour mark. Oh, okay. Um, so the first question is, has there been a piece of advice, really good or really bad, that somebody has given you and has stuck with you? A really bad piece of advice. Or a really good one. Yes, a good one. Um, actually, the clown René Bassinet, do you know him? Yeah. He, when I first started to do the balance act, uh, one of my first shows, I was in the show with him, and he was like, you know, just, just always look at your branches like you've never seen them before. Like, you know, just give them that look and look at them, see different details you haven't seen yesterday. And I thought that was very special and because, you know, once you start performing a lot, you kind of like get in that routine. But to always have that, you know, special spark in your eyes I feel like that was such a good piece of advice. Yeah, I love that. That's a really good one. Yeah. For anybody who has a circus act, that's, you know, Yeah, just, just find things on stage and look at them like you've never seen them before. Whatever it is, you know. I feel like that gives you such a, a different spark in your eyes because of, a lot of times I do feel like people have a little bit of dead eyes. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, they're not having that yeah, the little first time spark yeah. anymore you know you f- tend to forget so I, f- I felt that that was like a small thing that everybody can follow you know so thank you Rene. That's perfect. <laughs> second question for somebody who's maybe a teenager and a student and listening and wants to be a performer one day mm-hmm. is there a show or a movie or a book or something artistic that you love that you would recommend they see or read or experience to get inspired? Yeah, to get inspired. Oh. See, like, I, I find that always a bit hard. Like, people ask me, you know, what would you do to inspire people? And I was like, as an artist, you don't need to be inspired. You know you're an artist or you don't. <laughs> <laughs> because if you need inspiration to become an artist, you'll have a hard life, you know? So maybe not necessarily for inspiration, yeah. but something to open open like their minds. Open of, their minds. Because know. I feel like, you know, like when you see shows, there's stuff that you're like, wow, that uh, that is sticking with me or that is yeah. terrible and I want to i have an Uh idea of how to make it better or yeah or a book you love or a movie you if you like the stuff that we do in my family i like tsingaro you know tsingaro no what's that okay you have to stare from france very um avant-garde very um kind of a little bit like my family's company but different and it's very poetic it's with horses as well Mm. how do you spell the name tsingaro it's a uh season sue I N G A R O. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Cool. I love horses. Yes, and it, it, they have such beautiful uh, visual pictures, and you know, I really like. I think my entire family is like in love with their shows, so we're like <laughs> a little bit like fan yeah. fans of them. You know, what of their work? It's so beautiful and artistic and. They're from France, you said? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I gotta oh. check them out. Yeah. Yes. That's fun to check it out. That's someone new to look at. Uh, mm-hmm. Last question, but I know who I feel like you should say. <laughs> who do you think we should have on the podcast? 
Why do you know how? Well, I want to have your dad on the phone. My dad? He doesn't speak English. Oh, maybe you can translate. <laughs> <laughs> or Josh's well, dad can. Josh's dad speaks He speaks German. a little bit. Ah, yeah. No, His whole family. Translators in. Other than your dad, who should we have on the phone? You should have my dad, though. It would be so cool to have him. Because he started like, pff, how old is he? 50 years ago <laughs> he started with this stuff right that's you know, a, you know it's, it's so many stories to tell for sure and just to talk I mean I love hearing you know talking to people who come up with new ideas like you know the fire yeah. dress and stuff like that and the balancing of the sticks it's just I get inspired by listening to people who come up with new ideas and, yeah you know it's like so cool like the your mind is so cool yeah the creative mind but so, uh, who, who can speak that? English? <sighs> I need to think about it because I would want to send you someone really interesting. And it has to be from circus? Nope. No. Circus, dance, any, anything that's like live performance, music. Music? Theater. Okay, so then I will recommend you Nesrin. Okay. She was, uh, I met her through Amaluna. She was a singer for a while in Amaluna. And then uh, she was working at the opera in Valencia. And then I encouraged her to go solo. I was like, quit your job, do it. You know, she was thinking about it, but she's a little scared. And then she did it. And now they're actually number one on uh, jazz. Oh my God. Awesome. Yes. So. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of hers. I love her. I love her as a performer, as a singer, as a musician. She plays the cello. Oh wow! So I'm 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 her biggest fan. So, and she speaks like ten languages. So oh great! I barely speak one. Laura, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank it's you so guys. nice talking you. to you. And that was our interview with Laura Jacobs. If you like our podcast, make sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, tweet us, email us at hello at hideawaycircus.com. And don't forget, you only have one more month to see Beyond Babel in San Diego before we bring it on tour. Get those tickets at beyondbabelshow.com. And of course, Misbehave Game Show is playing every week in Las Vegas. You can learn more about that at misbehavegameshow.com. Thanks, guys. Bye.